Hello, I'm Pastor Rob Spencer of Church United. We are excited because God is at work in our community of Christ followers. And it is my hope that God works in your life as you listen to this message today. If you'd like more information about Church United, please visit us at churchunited.family. Happy Easter. Man, what a, yeah, thank you. What a wonderful day it is. Um, incredible, incredible day of celebration. I am so glad that you're here at Church United with us. If this is your first time, we are so grateful that you're with us. We are still kind of getting arranged in our space, getting some things finished, but God blessed us uh, last year with, uh, with a wonderful new location. We were church downtown. We were meeting at the movie theater for the past five years. Um, downtown Stanton, a wonderful place to visualize movie theater, but God blessed us um, last fall by giving us the opportunity to move into this space, and we've been so grateful. So it's been a work in progress. We've had a lot of wonderful, wonderful people who have helped us along the way to get to this place to be in the space that we're using, and we're trying to utilize it to the best of God's glory, because the purpose of our church here is not to have a building, but it's to use what God gives us in order to glorify and honor Him. Um, But we've been in this space, and we're trying to do everything we can using every ounce of the space. So we're still expanding in the new areas of the buildings. You might wander around and open a door and say, this doesn't look finished. Yeah, you're right. It's not. Um, So, uh, but uh, we're excited about what God is doing and how God is using us. But here's um, what Easter is about. It's not about any church. It's not about any local church. It's about the capital C church. It's the people of God. It's a celebration, not just here, but all around the world of a resurrected savior. Something that the religion of Christianity is different than any other religion is that we serve a risen God. We don't serve a man who was then revered in some way. We actually serve God who came from heaven to earth in the form of flesh and walked among us and then he died the perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins because you and I, whether you want to hear it this morning or not, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. You know, I'll wag my finger while I say it. You're a sinner, but i got to wag it back. Um, We're sinners. We've all strayed. We've all gotten off track at some point in time, and still, even unintentionally, we are not holy as, as God is holy. So God had to send a perfect sacrifice because the Bible tells us the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, which that means the payment for sin is death. That's what we deserve when we get off track. So what we understand is we begin to realize why this Easter thing is so important is because if it weren't for the life, the perfect life lived of Jesus Christ walking on this earth in human flesh, then he was able to put himself in a place never having sinned, never Never having done anything wrong, he is now the perfect sacrifice, and his blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. He died in our place. And not only did his death, and in his death did he overcome sin, but he goes into the grave. And the culmination of what we celebrate today is not only do we have forgiveness of sins, but we have new life because Jesus Christ did not stay dead. He overcame the grave. He rose again through the power of God within him. 
And he now offers us eternal life. John 3.16, that verse everyone knows. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's exciting. That's the God we serve, that when we believe in him, we have everlasting life life. So this is why we celebrate today. This is why we're in the room is we serve a risen Savior. This sets us apart. This is why you say, oh, this Christian, we're not supposed to be stuck up and arrogant and everything else, but I'm telling you, we do have the answer here. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. So why we raise the banner of Jesus high and proud at Church United is because Jesus is your way to heaven. You'll never get there apart from Jesus Christ. So this is why we celebrate. We celebrate a risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who provided us with life and life abundant. That's what Easter's all about. Yeah, give the Lord a praise offering. He is good. So here's what I wanted to share this morning. We've been in this uh, little mini-series since we started the beginning of the month in the book of Jonah, and someone said to me, are, you're not going to be in Jonah on Easter, are you? And I said, I don't know. Um, I don't know what I'm doing. You guys might think I do. I don't know what's happening. Um, but, uh, you know, I, 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 and I started reading through, and I, my intention was actually to be done last week, and then I started looking, and I started realizing the great comparison. So I've never preached a message from Jonah on Easter. This will be fun. So if you have your Bible, turn to Jonah chapter four. While you're turning there, the verse will be on the screen if you don't have your Bible, or maybe you have a little app on your cell phone. Um, you, can, you can look that up and find the Bible. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, so if you're trying to figure out what version I'm in or what, what version to look up on your phone, that's where I'm at. Well, Jonah is this story of this prophet of God. So what that means is in that time before Jesus Christ came, Jonah was speaking the words of God. And, and, and God used Jonah in order to communicate to his people during that time. So Jonah was a prophet to the, to the Israelite people. That was God's chosen nation, the Jewish people, that God chose to use them as an example for us today, story after story in the New Testament. We can see and we can learn from God's chosen people, but Jesus Christ in Easter changed everything everything for us, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but here's Jonah, a prophet, so he's speaking the words of God to God's people. He's proclaiming to them uh, where they're getting off track. He's encouraging them from God, where God's saying, Jonah, go, and this is what a prophet does. Go and tell the people that, you're on, that, that they're doing a good job, that I love them, that I care for them, to stay on track with this, be careful of this. So Jonah's doing that. Well, now the word of God comes to Jonah. He says, Jonah, go to Nineveh. Nineveh was not part of the Israelite nation. They were actually arch enemies, like, like, like Superman and Lex Luthor, you know, these, these two were, were polar opposites because a couple centuries earlier, decades earlier, I should say, the Assyrian people, the, the Ninevites, they had destroyed, decimated the Israelites. They weren't fans of each other. So Jonah was like, uh-uh, I'm not going there because we don't like the Assyrians, and you're telling me to go, God, and I know what's going to happen. When you go and you say that I'm going to have to preach repentance to them and tell them if they don't turn, God's going to destroy their city, then they're going to turn, then you're not going to destroy their city. I don't want any part of that. I want to see them dead. I don't like them. So I'm done. So Jonah gets in a ship and he runs to Tarshish because somehow he heard through the grapevine God wasn't in Tarshish, apparently. Um, so he's like, I'm going to Tarshish. So he gets 
gets and he starts going and then this big storm brews up. He's on the ship. The big storm's brewing. And God, as we talked about in the last couple of weeks, we look at sometimes these things that God does in our lives. And I'm telling you, you can look and think God's punishing Jonah from running, for running, but he's not punishing Jonah. He's pursuing Jonah. He's not in that place in that storm in his life to cause him misery and pain. He's trying to get his attention. You can apply that to your own life, however you'd like, but there's some good application there. That God's not against you, he's for you. He's not punishing, he's pursuing. He's getting your attention, and he got the attention of not just Jonah, but everyone on that ship. So now the ship's all in chaos, and the guys are like, what's going on? And Jonah's sleeping, I don't know how, but he's down there sleeping, the, the, the waves are crashing, everything else, they get him up there, they find out Jonah's like, hey, it's my fault, guys, throw me overboard, I'll be the sacrifice, you gotta sacrifice me to God, and then the storm will calm down for you. They, they tried to do their own thing for a while, and they're like, no, we're not, gonna, we're not gonna accept that sacrifice, we're not gonna make that sacrifice, we're gonna do our own thing, and they tried to row, they rowed even harder, the storm got even worse, they got in a worse place, and they finally got to the conclusion that they can't relieve the storm until they lean into God, and they accept the sacrifice that has to be made. I'm laying some stuff down here. Pick it up with me. And they accept the sacrifice that needs to be made, and they throw Jonah overboard, and their storm calms, but not for Jonah. Jonah. Jonah's sinking to the bottom of the ocean. And Jonah, in his last gasp of air, turns his heart to God, and in his mind, because he can't talk unless it was, you know, I don't, I'm not really sure, but he's sinking down, and he's going down fast, and he says, salvation alone comes from God. And at that moment, the Lord makes an appointment with a big fish, he schedules them like an Uber. This guy needs to be picked up. It's first Uber ever with a fish. It's coming, I'm sure. Someone's thinking of it somewhere. And here it comes, the big fish swallows Jonah. Again, listen, I wouldn't ever think of being swallowed by a fish as a blessing. Just wouldn't cross my mind. Hey, guess what, I was on vacation, got swallowed by a whale. It's great, it's fun time. You know, that's just not how we look. But here we are, Jonah swallowed by this fish, and I'm telling you, this picture of Jonah being swallowed by this fish, that was his salvation. God just saved him from drowning at the bottom of the sea. He couldn't have gone back up. God sends the rescue boat, but it's in the form of a fish. Jonah, for three days in the belly of a great fish, cries out to God, confesses, Jonah is protected in this fish as we are protected in Christ. Again, I'm laying some stuff down here. Pick it up. Then Jonah, after he's confessed, turns his heart back to God. He's vomited up. Great picture. Again, great blessing. Um, a little. Thank you, Lord. In the word of the Lord in chapter 3 comes to Jonah a second time, and he says, Jonah, Go to Nineveh and tell them. And Jonah obeys. Beautiful picture. And it would be great if the story kind of ended right there. But we get to the end of chapter 3. The whole city of Nineveh turns their hearts 
to God. They're remorseful, they're repentant, they're even dressing their animals up in clothing to show their dismay to God. Sackcloth and ashes, dress your donkeys up in dresses, make sure that they're repenting as well. Everything, they've covered their bases and they turn their hearts back to God and you would think Jonah would be like, woo-hoo-hoo, nailed it. No. Jonah chapter four. This change of plans What was the change of plans? God chose not to destroy Nineveh. He chose to show mercy and grace. Why? Because they put a stop to their evil ways. So they heard from God, they turned their hearts back to God, and now they put a stop to their ways, and God said, I'll put a stop to my destruction. God changed his mind because of the way they obeyed. In Jonah, verse 1, chapter 4, he's upset. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. He became very angry, so he complained to God. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran to Tarshish. I knew that you were a merciful, compassionate God, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. You were eager to turn back from destroying people. This is why Jonah's mad. Jonah's mad because he didn't get his way. I don't like them. Don't be merciful to them. I get to choose God who you show mercy to. Show it to me, but no one else. And if they've wronged me, if they've ticked me off, if they cut me off on the highway, no mercy. And we might think of some people in our lives that we're like, yeah, deep down I'd like them to turn their heart to God, but I also kind of want to see them get what they deserve. This is where Jonah's at. And what's so funny about this is Jonah goes to this and he says, because of your unfailing love, because of your mercy, because of how great you are, God, how your heart is not to destroy people but to save people, here's what my solution is, God. Kill me now. Oh, good one, Jonah. After he just, you know, he just lays out, here's, the, 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 here's what you need to understand. We are so unlogical when we are driven by emotions. You cannot make a wise decision based on 100% emotion. So don't make decisions when you're just emotional. It's just a little side note there for you. In your marriage, on your way to church when everything seems like it's going wrong, didn't you see that on Sunday mornings? Everything falls apart on a Sunday morning, especially when you get kids. You start driving the church, and the kids, look at this, you know, and they're all yelling and screaming, and you're slapping across the seat in the back, and you're like, I'm going to turn this car around, but no, you're going to, you're going to, you need Jesus, boy, you know, that kind of stuff, and you're hitting, and you get out, and you step out of the door, and you open the door, and you walk out in the parking lot, hey, baby, hey, hey, you're straightening up, you stinking kids, you know, dragging them because you're in your Easter outfit, so everyone matches this morning, uh, including my family. I'm not making fun of you. My wife made me buy this shirt. Um, we had to get dressed alike, and, and so you hold hands, and you're walking in, and it's, just don't make decisions, because sometimes we get so emotional about problems and things in life, and Jonah makes no sense right now. He is as angry as can be. And he says, God, because of your great mercy and unfailing love and compassion and desire to to kill no one, kill me. Okay, this isn't going well. 
He said, I'd rather be dead than I would be alive if what I predicted would not happen. What did he predict? Well, in chapter 3, verse 4, he predicts to the whole city, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. So he says, God, if that doesn't happen, I'm not interested in, in being alive anymore. Number one, I look like a fool. Secondly, I wanted them all to die. I don't like them. So if that's what's going to happen, then just kill me. And the Lord replied, like God does, whispers, is it right for you to be angry about this? Have you ever heard God whisper that to you? I haven't heard as much from God as I have from my wife. <laughs> is it right for you to be angry about this? Uh, dang it, she's right. Uh, no, it's not, but I'm still mad. But here he is, God whispers. So Jonah goes off and sulks. He went out to the east side of the city. He made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. I want you to understand, he's not just hanging out for a couple days. He's like, I'm going to be here for 40 days because I'm going to wait this thing out. To watch, I get, God gave 40 days here. The city's going to be destroyed. I'm just going to watch this thing play out. And it's not going my way so far, so I'm a little ticked, but I'm going to hang in there. And the God arranged, arranged, I like this. It's the same way he arranged for a whale uh, or a big fish to pick up Jonah. Now he arranges for a leafy plant to grow. As soon as it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shadowing from the sun, this eased Jonah's discomfort, and he was very grateful for the plant. But then God also arranged for a worm. God's got great plants. So a whale, a plant, a worm. Just if you were wondering, is God in control of all things? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And he may be trying to use things to get your attention, to pursue you, not punish you. But God's trying to get your attention through life around you, through circumstances around you. And he can use anything he wants to. He'll continue to use everything he wants to use in order for him to get your attention until you turn your eyes and your heart back to him and recognize that he is God and salvation comes from the Lord alone. He will use everything at his disposal, which is everything, because it's his. He arranges for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. This, this is comical to me. Poor Jonah. Um, and as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. You listening yet? You, you, you listening yet? Did I get your attention yet? Here comes something else. Look up, Jonah. Pay attention, Jonah. Hey, Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and he wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, again, he's coming after this anger issue. Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? And again, Jonah, with an emotional response, yes, it is, it is fine. Just leave me alone. I can be mad at whatever I want to. I'm an emotional guy here. My emotions don't have to make sense. I'm just angry. And Jonah says, I'm even angry enough to, to die. And the Lord comes in with truth, like only God can, combating often our feelings with the truth of God's word. He says, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. We get so used to things that are in our lives that we see as blessings from God, 
that then when all of a sudden it goes away and God's using it to get our attention, all of a sudden it turns to anger to God because that thing that never came from us to begin with is removed from us, and now we're mad at God. We're even mad enough sometimes to die. Lord, you took my finances. Lord, you took that job from me. The stock market crashed. Lord, my family member's sick. Lord, I got in a car accident. Lord, I, you know, the list goes on and on. And we get angry at God because God chose. And I just want you to understand, everything you have started came from God. You did nothing to get anything. Even the breath in your lungs right now that you're breathing comes from God. None of it's ours. And he can arrange for a whale, a fish. He can arrange for a plant. He can arrange for a scorching wind. He can arrange for a worm. He can arrange for you to have a job. He can arrange for you not to have a job. He can arrange for you to be healthy. He can arrange for you not to be healthy. He's God. And what we have to understand is God here is not punishing Jonah. He's pursuing Jonah. And the longer you keep running from God and not allowing God to, to, to get your attention and you keep getting bitter and angry and being driven by emotions and just more upset and more frustrated without turning to the truth of who God is, God's going to continue pursuing you. So he says, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there, and it came quickly and died quickly, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. I was gonna destroy this city. I've just saved all of this livestock, my creation. I've saved all of these people. I've turned them out of spiritual darkness. You played a part in that, Jonah, in my grace, in my mercy, in my unfailing love. I allowed these people living in darkness to turn their eyes to me, and you have the nerve to be upset. Because I want to show mercy. Because I want to show grace. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Ouch. Easter. What I want you to understand is this story of Jonah is not a story about Jonah. It's a story about God. The whole Bible is not a story about Adam and Eve. It's not a story about Moses. It's not a story about Abraham. It's not a story about Noah. It's not a story about Peter or Paul. It's not a story about Mary. It's not a story about any of those people. It's the story of God. It's his story. And from beginning to end, God is painting pictures of himself in his great love, in his great mercy, in his great kindness. In this picture of what was happening in Nineveh and what God was doing was a picture of God's mercy, not just for Nineveh, but what is to come. His picture of mercy and grace for a whole world that had turned their eyes and walked away from him. And what we have is a picture of Jonah, but, but, but Jonah is not just about Jonah. Jonah is actually a picture of Jesus. God sent Jonah. 
Well, God sends us Jesus. He sent Jonah the Nineveh. He sent Jesus into the whole world to be salvation for the world. Jonah was the sacrifice to save those guys on the ship. Jesus is our sacrifice that had to be made, and we had to believe in it. We had to accept it in order to have life, in order to get out of our storm, in order to move. we got to turn our eyes and accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus, uh, Jonah was sacrificed to die in a sea. Jesus sacrificed to die on the cross. Jonah was in the belly of a fish. Jesus was in the heart of the earth for three days. And you say, preacher, you're getting, you're getting a little bit off track here. I don't see what you're getting at here. Well, let me show you in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, listen to this. Jesus speaking. And he says in Verse 39, Jesus replies to them, only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign, but the only one I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. As for Jonah was in the belly of a great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. And now someone far greater than Jonah, his name is Jesus Christ, is here, but you refuse to repent. Jonah, a picture of Jesus. And as Jonah was in the belly of that great fish, Jesus went to the heart of the earth when he died to take back the keys of death and life from hell. And he stole them back. He took them back. He didn't steal anything. They were rightfully his. They were stolen from him. Satan thought he had something. But Jesus in death goes into the heart of the earth to set prisoners free, to proclaim his love for all humanity, past, present, and future. Jonah, a picture of Jesus Christ. In Jesus, or Jonah, excuse me, cheats death through the power of God by being saved by this well. Jesus overcomes death through the power of God by rising again from the dead, just as Jonah was spit out in a new life from that well, from that big fish. Jesus was spit out of that grave. The stone rolled back, and our mighty, glorious Savior stepped forth in all of his glory, in all of his power, and he said, now everyone has a chance to believe. He's Jesus Christ, the power of God. And it's an amazing thing to watch because Jonah carries the word of God to Nineveh. Into this, and the city is saved because they believe Jesus is the word of God in human flesh. And the whole world is saved if they believe in Jesus Christ. The power of God's word. The picture that it's painted for us of what it is to be. In the mind and in the heart of a God who knows you've strayed far and you've done awful things, but he wishes that none would perish but all would come to repentance. And no matter what you've done in here this morning, no matter how far you think you've ran, because not only is Jonah a picture of Jesus, Jonah is also at the same time, this is how deep God is, a picture of humanity. Because Jonah runs from God and God pursues him, we try to run from God and God pursues us. 
Jonah his, <laughs> turned his heart, whole heart to God. Salvation, he said, comes from God alone. And we need to turn our whole hearts back to God because salvation comes from God alone. Jonah's reborn again from the belly of this great fish. And we have a rebirth through Jesus Christ being called born again that we are given a second chance. And when Jonah's given a second mission, he obeys. And when you are reborn into a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's called the Great Commission, and it's given to you. And you may have done your own thing for all your life, but now God has given you a second chance to be on mission for him and to go into all the world and preach the gospel and to tell about the resurrected Savior. And what's amazing about the story of Jonah is most people believe Jonah wrote this, that he wrote his own thing. And, and if I were to write a story about myself, I, I want to tell you, I would probably want it to end well. Like, oh, okay, and then I changed my heart, I turned back to God, everyone liked me, they had big parties for me, they, they think I'm pretty cool, it was really great, I got lots of friends. And we make ourselves to be the hero of the story, and Jonah's book ends so strange because he doesn't do that. We have a story of a guy whose heart was just broken before God because God ends and Jonah never talks about what he did after that. But I guarantee because I saw what Jonah did with the second chance that after God got his attention in this one, that Jonah was given a third chance by God. And I guarantee Jonah took that. And he ends this book not by making himself the hero, but by proclaiming Jesus Christ, proclaiming his God as the hero. He said, where is your heart? Are you gonna be selfish and worry about your own thing or are you gonna pursue God? And this is for us today. And I don't think it's a good Easter service unless we read what happened. Matthew chapter 28, I encourage you, just close your eyes and picture this day. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. The angel spoke to the women and said, don't be afraid. He said, I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Just as he said it would happen. And come and see where his body was laying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. And the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were frightened but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus, Jesus, the risen Savior, he met them. Jesus, the risen Savior, greeted them. 
They ran to him and they grasped his feet and they worshiped Jesus, the risen Savior. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped the risen Savior. And Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, I've got a mission for you. Don't sit on this news. Don't keep this to yourself. I have just changed everything. And just as 120,000 were saved through the love of God in that city called Nineveh thousands of years ago, this love of God will reach to the ends of the earth, past, present, and future. Because a perfect sacrifice has been made. And I died for your sins. And I went to a grave, and I defeated hell, and I rose again, and I have risen, and I have a mission for you. Go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands that I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The resurrection of Jesus has now been given to us as it was to Jonah. The word of God was given to go tell Nineveh. You and I have that in our hands today. As the band comes, we're going to sing a closing song. And what I want you to think about during this time, as we just sing our praises to God and we lift up our voices to him, I want you to think, number one, about the amazing mercy of God. Because you are, I am undeserving. The city of Nineveh, completely undeserving. But Jonah knew what happened. He said, because of God's unfailing love, because of his unfailing love, because of his mercy, because of his compassion, he showed mercy he offered forgiveness, and he does the same for us through Jesus Christ. And because of our resurrected Savior, we have the opportunity today, first of all, to say, Lord, I believe and I trust you. And my heart would be for anyone in here that's never made that decision to follow Jesus Christ and trust in him and believe in him that you would turn your eyes to him today, that you would turn your heart to him and say, I believe. Salvation comes through the Lord alone. And secondly, if you've made that decision, just begin praying and saying, God, help me to renew my passion to be on mission for you, to tell others about you. 
to carry your word to the ends of the earth. The message of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Salvation alone comes through God, comes through Jesus Christ. 